Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast actual play of Not the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. Yeah, the shenanigans with Narlathotep Adventure Path. Narlathotep. I don't know if I want shenanigans with Narlathotep. He's kind of a maybe not a cool person to hang out with. (laughs) I don't know. I'm super excited, but, you know. Heather (laughs) wants her characters to go crazy and die in the void of space. (laughs) Switch it over to the Call of Cthulhu system. No, could be fun. So, uh, yeah, actually, when last we left our heroes, well, actually, when last we had left our anti-heroes. I, I don't know if hero is <laughs> yeah. quite an accurate term. Hey, we're heroic. We're saving people or something with this rock. We don't know. You're definitely more pro than Anne. We have a lot of lot of more ulterior motives I mean, we're not than good. other groups. <laughs> yeah, definitely not good. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of like uh, in, in Peter Quill and in, in Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like, yeah. you know, why do you want to defend the galaxy? Because I live here. It's kind exactly. of that thing. Exactly. It's true. So, yeah, actually, when the less... It's strange, because honestly, I almost feel like this should have actually been the, the recap, as opposed to uh, your first part. So ignore it, as, as this group does not know anything about what happened in the last episode that everyone listened to. Nope. Just kind of put those characters on hold and all the amazing bizarreness that happened over there. Now I'm curious. We know, don't we, audience? But they don't. <laughs> when last we had left Segura, Planchette, and Wolf... Our heroines had made their way into the desert, into the parched dunes, before making their way to the Pillars of the Sun, in particular to the Black Fane, wherein they had found out more pertaining towards Sagira's family's past, particularly that her mother, uh, Seposet, had aided the Pathfinder Robert, as well as his companion Gerald and a mysterious swordsman, Samir, on their trek out to the, uh, the Desert Fane wherein Samir had been possessed by an evil power beyond comprehension. Seposet had uh, fled, and then eventually Sagira came into position with a stone that was once the prison for a creature referred to only as the Haunter of the Dark, mm-hmm. a manifesta- manifestation or herald, if you will, of the Dark God, Narlathotep. Yay. Uh, un- it's fine. Yep. <laughs> we, you know, made our own raw box. You know what? They said that any, Robert said when he was talking to the Mummy's Mask group that any light is enough to contain it. So you know what? Our stupid raw box works. Yeah, our <laughs> yeah, knockoff raw yeah, box yeah. It did something. <laughs> well, any light repels it, but yes. So, is it a semantics? Yeah. Mm. So our dorky little raw box does something at least. <laughs> But the heroes had gone to confront the cultists of Narlathotep as they had actually been attempting to track down, pursue, and then you believe possibly slay the crime lord of Wati known as the Viper, mm-hmm. having kidnapped the Viper's son, the Asp, to draw him out into the desert. Our heroes had subsequently managed to save the Asp after battling against the cultists of Narlathotep and had decided to continue their pursuit despite the fact that they do not have in possession the actual artifact box that's supposed to contain this thing, but they're going to kind of hope for the best with just the rock that they have. You know, one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. And the Viper and two other members of the gang said, uh, not my problem, and went back to yeah. Wati. Yeah. <laughs> Losers. Yeah, followed the, the letter, and I guess their punishment for that is not to be part of this. Yep. <laughs> well, technically, they weren't the ones in trouble. Hey, they could have gotten squished by a pyramid. They could have been in the necropolis. We don't know. I mean, that know. is true. Oh, my gosh. I almost feel like that's canon now. At least one of them. 
Yes. <laughs> Which one spent the most time in the necropolis? That's the one. Jordan's character. <laughs> Probably. Oh. He just steps out, looks up, the pyramid's falling down to him. Uh-oh. Oh my. <laughs> and then just gets crushed by a pyramid. <laughs> uh, sorry, Jordan, that's canon now. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, it's canon. Crucible got crushed by the falling pyramid. Oh, the only casualty. <laughs> For all the Crucible fans out there. Were there? Were I'm there sure there are some. I'm there sure were. there were. I just, you know, I don't hear much, so. Let us know on the social medias. Our heroes had then left the Pillars of the Sun Mountains, had left the Black Fane behind them as they began to attempt to track down Sagira's father, the possessed Samir, mm-hmm. uh, inhabited by the power of the darkness, as there is nothing, metaphorically speaking, darker than the heart of man. Okay. Okay, or the heart of Geekin, I suppose. <laughs> the heart of humanoid. How's that? <laughs> Monstrous, extraplanar, or otherwise. So I suppose we should just kind of jump back in with things here. Our story picks back up some months after the events of the uh, the previously named Fated Tales. After our heroes had left the Pillars of the Sun behind them, had left the Black Fane behind them, had journeyed out into the desert making their way first to the nearby city of Eto, journeying from there, pursuing rumors and what information could be gleaned from either the living, in the case of being able to just speak with some of the locals that may or may not have seen something, or the dead, in the case of Planchette and her ability to commune with the spirits already passed. It's a gift. Mm -hmm. From (laughs) Eto, our heroes made their way up the Sphinx River to the city of Sothis question there pertaining towards dark figures and darker beings before making their way further back to the south, to the city of Jafet, and then even further south from there, hearing strange rumors and whispers on the wind. Months of travel and investigation have led our heroes to one of the slummiest inns. Heck yeah. In the city of On. On, as uh, our audience is somewhat familiar with, but just to reiterate a little bit here, On is the largest of the three sister cities of the South, oftentimes referred to simply as the City of Triangles, due to the number of pyramids surrounding the city, in this case three. The shining mountains nearby, which are oddly angular in shape, in particular when viewed from the edge of the Sphinx River, where On sits, as well as the repeated triangle motif that covers the city, painted onto the walls of the brilliant red brick buildings, these beautiful yellow pyramid designs. On is the great, the old, in many cases, the terrible city of unnumbered crimes. In addition to that, it is also a beautiful city, quite possibly the the oldest existing true examples of Osirian architecture, as it has not been touched as much as Sothis was by the occupation of the Kadirans. It is a beautiful city full of artists, previously home of the uh, artistic talent that is Citra, as well as her parents. Yeah, she wasn't much of an artist before they lived on. Fair enough. Also, just to put it in perspective, because I don't know if I even mentioned this in the last week, uh, Wati has a population of about 7,300 people. On has a population of about 38,000. It's a big city. So it is an actual metropolis metropolis. It's still about the third the size of Sothis, but it's still a big city. Double the size of uh, Tefu. Our heroes had arrived in the city, finding that over the last few months, rumors and stories swirl of a growing, it's not necessarily even right to call it a darkness, 
almost this more palpable tension. While matters in the South and West have been disturbing recently, the undead uprising in Wati, strange talks of odd cults in Tefu, the rise of crime in On, the opening of the various burial sites throughout the nation of Osirian under Pharaonic decree. This tension is difficult. There's a growing political and social unrest in the city by the time that you've arrived, giving it this strange apprehension, this sense of impending something. This can be felt more acutely in the slummier sections of On. And as you're staying here in the camel's feed bag, it is not exactly the, the most pleasant place to stay. While many people in the city go about their daily lives with pale, worried faces, sometimes whispered warnings. You've passed a surprising number of corner street prophets standing on carts, shouting about darkness or desolation, preaching that one god or another would be the one to save them, be it phrasma in some cases, or just accepting the end in the form of Grotus. On top of all this tension, there's a strange alteration to the seasons here. It's currently Ardus, and our world would be the equivalent of August. Usually a very hot time period in the nation of Osirian. However, now, during the day, it rarely breaks 60 degrees, Hmm. down into the 40s at night. Weird. This has led many people in the city to speak of Ma'at, the cosmic Hmm. balance, and how the world seems to be shifting from the order that the pharaohs bring to chaos. The seasons no longer shifting when they should, and talk and worry already of the inundation, the coming of the floods, and whether or not they will at the proper time to keep the soil fresh and keep everyone from starving, considering that there's no real arable land outside of the Sphinx River Basin. Yeah. It's kind of deserty. A little bit. It's dawn in the city of On, the sun rising far to the east first touching the shining mountains before the city of On itself. Sagira, I imagine you've made your way up to the roof, as you probably have on numerous occasions over the last few days, to stretch, warm up, keep yourself toned, since your room is the equivalent of you can turn. You can either extend your arms one way or the other way, but either way you do, you will touch both walls. Mm, excellent. You're considering you're crammed in there with a cat that mostly takes up the bed then uh, it's not exactly a comfortable area to train, stretch, anything like that. Got a limit. We didn't get a better room because she had a big, scary cat. Uh, she did get the best room. You oh. should see y'all's. <laughs> <laughs> Planchette's just a scary person. <laughs> On top of all this, all the strangeness here, I suppose as Sagara finishes her morning exercise, Nearby, the the sleek black form of Isra sleeping in the shadow of the eaves of this building. Or at least half sleeping, as every once in a while when you step a little too close, you see this sliver of gold as one eye creeps open and watches you for a moment before slowly closing back. (laughs) Resting here, as you've already been here for three days, is next to impossible. When you aren't being awoken by the literal screaming of your neighbors... You are suffering from the same effects. A plague of nightmares has has descended upon the city of On. A plague that's gone on for more than a month now. Much to the uh, general chagrin of the 
local temples who have thus far been unable to find any way to stop it. They need to just make some dream catchers. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. I think they yeah, are. Dream there catchers. are dream catchers in Pathfinder, and I think they I do. I think there might be. They might actually even stop dream Path- effects. Nightmares, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. Sakura, I imagine you finish your workout. Watch as the sun fully crests the horizon. Probably rub the sleep away from your eyes, considering the, uh, again, the sheer lack of sleep that you're actually getting. Seeing that you're done with the click-click sound of your kopesh sliding back into its sheath, Isras climbs up to her feet. Does that very long language stretch where she stretches mm. her front legs first and then steps forward and fully extends her back legs like it's some sort of yoga pose. All right, you've done your exercising for the morning. Great. The door opens to the roof and you are joined by your three companions. Mm. Uh, it's been a little bit. So uh, how about we have a quick recap on... Uh, I guess everyone's appearance. Uh, we'll start with Sagira because uh, she hasn't actually been featured in anything in the better part of like 60 episodes now. Um, okay. Sagira is a person. No. Um, Sagira is a fairly short woman. She's like 5'2", um, but she is essentially a little bundle of muscle with uh, dark black hair and a strangely symmetrical features. She wears a fancy shiny chain shirt now um, and has some some cool boots that she just picked up, although they have a weird tankard symbol on them. She doesn't really understand what that's all about, but whatever. She carries a kopesh and a kukri and a short bow on her back and is joined pretty much all the time by her black leopard, Isra, who has a really fancy collar that can make her big. Yep. Isra's a panther, standard panther size. Yeah, she's medium. Black fur, gold eyes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. So anywhere between 120 to 210 pounds. About six feet in overall length. Man, that's actually pretty big. Yeah, she's a person-sized cat. From uh, <laughs> nose to tip of tail can be eight feet in length. Planchette, abyss. Oh, did you say planchette abyss? Well, her uh, name is Swirling Abyss, which is probably what you guys have been calling her. Probably just Abyss, because it's a lot. It's a mouthful to say Swirling Abyss. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were, like, last naming Planchette. And I was like, Planchette, don't have no last name. What is this? But Abyss wouldn't be bad. <laughs> it wouldn't be bad, no. All right, Planchette Ouija. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay. Planchette is a, uh, a waifish little figure. Um, she doesn't necessarily look intimidating, but she feels intimidating to those around her. Uh, mm-hmm. She stands at about 4'10 and kind of almost floats more than walks if you really watch her. She has uh, jet black hair that hangs um, typically like almost unnaturally straight framing her face unless she's about to you know, actually start getting into stuff and then she usually will braid it back. She has dark hazel eyes that are typically speckled with green, but um, this kind of changes uh, from day to day uh, because sweet as she looks, there's there's always just something a little off about her because you're not ever quite sure if you're talking to her or or something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she uh, she wears a mithril chain shirt and carries a uh, rather hefty looking flaming heavy crossbow that you think someone of her stature could not shoot, but uh, she is surprisingly good with it. Nice. Swirling Abyss is a Caligny, so she wears the wrapping that most of her people does, like uh, almost like a mummy on the parts of her skin you can see. Um, she has a veil that covers the lower half of her face and it starts, you know, right under her eyes and drops down to about clavicle level with a black uh, leather armor and black pants and black boots and she wears a long cloak that almost 
drapes the ground and she usually wears it with the whole hood pulled up and pulled down since she's quite literally uh, allergic to light and her eyes are uh, the her eyes are solid uh, black orbs and the bit of skin you can see around her eyes is dark gray almost black and you think she wears her hair in the traditional Osiriani with the bangs right across her forehead and straight down the sides because occasionally when the hood moves you get a glimpse of her bangs mm. but none of you have ever seen her even in the six months that you've been traveling without being fully clothed in her armor I choose to believe she only has bangs <laughs> <laughs> just Fair. the rest of it shaved um, she's, she's tall and thin nearly six foot tall with a wiry build and um, she ha- carries a uh, shimitar and then her haversack is full of all sorts of fun stuff like sledgehammers and other things for breaking into tombs and in places she shouldn't be mm-hmm. <laughs> alright uh, Leslie you are joined by the asp nor- more commonly known now uh, amongst all of you as Valmir <laughs> yeah commonly known as Valmir not Snakelet <laughs> <laughs> to his face it's Valmir sure yes uh, Valmir is a man uh, about five and a half feet tall uh, actually, a little bit taller than the Viper, who I think was about five. He is four. the second tallest person in this group. After <laughs> <laughs> the six-foot woman who walks around in all the ropes. Uh, he is mostly clean-shaven, and by mostly clean-shaven, he's one of those like he shaves in the morning, and then by like the mid-afternoon, he's already got like the stubble. Mm. Wears his hair shortcut, usually in kind of a disheveled mess, as he doesn't really bother much with it, and wears a uh, simple set of a uh, simple suit of leather armor, and uh, mostly dark gray tones. Generally speaking, he'd be considered to be a rather attractive looking man. Although, again, his gaze is just a little bit too... Piercing's not even necessarily the word that you'd use, so much as almost analytical. I'm sure for Sagira, there's just a bit too much of the viper there. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm, Don't trust guy. that guy. Sagira? Anything new? Other than, you know, unrelenting nightmares that never end? No, pretty much all the same. Mm. Well, we're here. I suppose the question is what we're going to do. It seems well, like we must be getting closer. Maybe, or we just walked into some other ridiculous cultist scheme here, because that's all that Osirian is full of, is cultists trying to do horrible things. This feels a little bit more... He just kind of rubs one of his arms against the cold as he looks out over the city. It's currently, like, in the mid-40s, since the sun's just risen and you're off the edge of the river. Well, and nightmares, haunter in the dark, abyss shrugs... <laughs> We can't fight nightmares, though, so, uh... Well, some of us can. Okay, well, you're doing a bad job. <laughs> can't fight them all. I mean, if you could just limit it to the four of us, maybe. Yeah, like a bubble of non-nightmare goodness would be great. Be nice. I was possessed by a ghost once. Did I tell you that? Did not prevent nightmares. Not sure why it would. I don't know. Says our local possessed girl. So I suppose we need a direction to go from here. Yep. Spirits say anything? I have to convene with them again to see if I can get anything. So we can try it the old-fashioned way. Look around, ask questions, see what turns up, stalk people through the streets. That I can do. I was looking at my five diplomacy over here. Five? (laughs) (laughs) Minus 16. Sagira's not diplomatic, but she's good at stealth and sensing motives, so she can do that piece. I'm much better in the shadows. People don't tend to want to talk to the woman... That looks very, very creepy. Okay, let's go, uh, I don't know, see if we can get recruited. Yep. See go if we can't find some joint occult flyers somewhere. Yeah, you know. 
If only they're the door-to-door cultists. The sharp rap, rap, rap. Have you heard the good word of the crawling chaos? (laughs) It is the morning, though. Are black markets even open in the morning? I feel like they're more of a nighttime thing. Probably more of a nighttime thing. I mean, they're really open all of the time. (laughs) Yeah, but more of the seedier stuff is going to happen in the in the shadows. Yeah, but right now, you know, all of the screaming and all the rest. Yeah, nobody's less sleeping. (laughs) True. Well, it means more people are distracted. They're dealing with that rather than paying attention to the nefarious business going on. It's a perfect cover. All right, let's go poke around in the slum. Yep. So I suppose all of you gather yourselves together. Probably eat some breakfast here. It's terrible. I have a ring of sustenance. I never have to eat again. <laughs> the rest of you eat the breakfast here. It's terrible. <laughs> Before, uh, I suppose, setting off into the city streets. What would y'all like to do? I think I want to go listen to some crazy street prophets. See if there are any that are pro-darkness. Pro darkness. You know, you got to recruit somehow. <laughs> what about the rest of you? I'm probably going to go kind of wander the streets and gather some information because I'm pretty sure my diplomacy is one of the highest. Yeah, I'm yeah, not doing uh, any gathering. Yeah, Wolf does not have anything, or Abyss does not have anything that would help her. What's uh, Valmir going to do? Valmir's got a, he's got a twelve diplomacy. Wolf will just go with him. Yeah, I'm going to go look at these street prophet folks and, like, sense motive and see if any of them are, like, more nefarious than they seem. Besides, the last time Abyss let her boyfriend wander off, he got kidnapped by a cult of Narlathotep. Maybe we let him wander off. (laughs) Put a tracking device on him. Put a leash on him. And then let him wander off so that he can get kidnapped by the cult, and then we can find him again, and we can get the cult, and it's all working out. Yeah, Abyss isn't down for that plan. (laughs) (laughs) Not ruthless enough yet. So... You make your way down, you split up. Go ahead and give me a diplomacy roll from Planchette since she's gathering information. Wolf, are you trying to aid the asp, Valmir? Y- yes. Not my best, but with my bonuses, it might be okay. Rolled a 16, which gets me a 24. Very well. Wolf, do you uh, aid? Yes, just barely, but I aid. All right. The four of you set off into the city streets, scattered to the winds. Sagira, you make your way to one of the local markets. The Nakhen Market, which is located towards the eastern portion of the city. It's more of a, for lack of a better term, it's more of an every person market. This mm. isn't the place that you go to buy weapons and armor and adventuring gear. You can buy rope. Uh, but this is mostly for shops where it's like, oh, you can get your camels reshoot here. And mm. oh, you can buy some other camels over here. You can buy carts and such. She sees the rope and thinks of Suni. Yeah. There's also like a farmer's area where, you know, everyone's selling their various, uh, goods so you can mm. go over there and you know a farmer's market a farmer's market you also of course pass by the pillar with all the ha- hands nailed to it from uh, all the thieves don't love that if unfortunately the the five finger discount here is uh comes Those at a high the, price sometimes the bad thieves <laughs> the bad thieves <laughs> there are only two types of thieves the the really good thieves and the one-handed thieves mm-hmm. you check around the market for a short time you know, see people some people coming and going listen to some of the the rants and ravings of people who are talking about Oh, well, this is a sign of the end times and, you know, worship Grotus, the god of, eh, it happens. <laughs> the god of, might as well give up now. <laughs> You're making your way back towards the entrance to the market when you see a man with a small gathering around him. Hmm. Approaching a little closer, the man stands on a barrel, surprisingly not upsetting the, the merchant who you think owns said barrel as he stands high enough to look over the crowd. Okay. 
The man wears a simple robe of black. No holy symbols, no religious paraphernalia. He talks in a decidingly calm voice. As you approach closer, he's no wild, bearded, crazy-haired, screaming prophet, but looks Mm. to be a man maybe in his mid-40s, just in the beginning of going bald with his short-cut hair. Uh, His hair line formed into a sharp widow's peak over the top of his forehead. Universal sign of evil. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Universal, says the man with the widow's peak. Uh, (laughs) As you approach closer, there is something odd about him. Go to make me a sense motive check. I will. Uh-oh, he is human. Uh, he is human, so I th- do believe you get oh, your I favorite enemy bonus. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. I rolled a three, which gives <laughs> me, which gives me an eighteen. Oh. Still shockingly good. I have a plus twelve sense motive. <laughs> there is an oddity to him, and as he looks over the crowd for a moment, he looks towards you, and you can tell that he sees you. He sees the crowd, but there's something odd with his eyes. It's like he has a thousand yard stare. Hmm. Even when he's looking right at you. As if he's aware of what's around him, but there's no focus. Weird. The man holds up his hands, gestures towards the east. He is coming. The stars are not yet right, but they will be. Do not fail to see the Dark One of On. He is horrible. Horrible beyond anything you can imagine but wonderful. Uh Uh-oh. He haunts one for hours. I still shudder at what he showed me. Oh, no. Go forth. Tell the audience void. The people nod. A few of them murmur amongst themselves. Those he blesses, he will take with him. They will hear the piping. Those so gifted travel beyond the stars to the place where the gods dance on high. He will take you, all of you. Right to your death. The man continues along this vein. There's a vague threatening to it. Yeah, it's weird. But there's an odd, there's not really even necessarily, like just judging by the crowd's reaction as he steps down off of the barrel, they're not necessarily receptive so much as there is a curiousness to them. A few of them more interested in what did he show him? Like, what mm. are these displays? A couple more of them just like, well, none of the other gods have been able to help us. <laughs> just kind of throwing their arms up. Where does he go? Uh, you may make a perception roll. Okay, that's much better. Um, I rolled an 18 for a 31. Oh, we're in a and city. A 35. Oh. The man makes his way a short distance off into the shadow of an old statue of a pharaoh who honestly due to the hieroglyphs just being worn away by the millennia you have no idea who it is anymore Hmm. the man sits in the shadow of this statue pulls his knees up to his chest wraps his arms around them and waits do i see any of my companions around anywhere no you guys have scattered across a uh, a massive city right now to go and gather information I'm going to watch this guy and see if he looks like he's going to stay there for a long time or if he's just waiting for a second. No, grabbing, uh, probably going over, grabbing a cheap skin of wine, leaning up against a nearby cart, looking nonchalant as you can Mm -hmm. with a 200 pound cat next to you. Yeah, you know. 
better part of an hour and a half passes as the man sits there. You can tell that he's humming or whispering to himself, but he just seems to be waiting for something now. Mostly he keeps his head down against his knees, but every once in a while he looks up. Not like up as in looks at the crowd, looks straight up. As if checking the sky before lowering his head back down. Alright, I guess Sagira's gonna walk up to the sky. Alright. Um... So how does one go about being a chosen one? The man looks up to you with those oddly vacant eyes you wish to see. Yes? Then he will show you. Oh no, I don't love this. Come back this evening and I will take you to him. Okay. Your eyes will be open. Excellent. Shigeru, like, moonwalks away. No, I don't know. Shigeru, like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, okay, that was creepy. I'm going to leave now. And I guess the man goes back to his uh, his humming, whispering, sing song, whatever he's doing. I assume we meet somewhere. Generally, we've been here a few days, so I'll head back to wherever that would be. For Planchette, go ahead and just send that to you. For Abyss and Valmir, you make your way through the city for some time, wandering around, speaking to a number of people. Eventually, Valmir stops, talks to a local vendor. The man seems to be mostly dealing in bolts of cloth, uh, primarily cell cloth, but also other cloth that he seems to just have uh, lying around. Use the term loosely. <laughs> they they fell off a boat. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and make me a sense motive. Uh, I roll an 18, which gets uh, Abyss at 28. Velmir leans in, tells the man he is looking for someone. Basically, a man who's come into the from the desert with strange powers or gifts. Almost at the saying of this, the man stops what he's doing. In that, like, three seconds where his hands are still in the middle of folding a bolt of cloth, like rolling a bolt of cloth up. He looks up with this gaze that looks straight through you. You seek the dark man. Valmir looks back towards Abyss. Back at I, the man. I suppose we do. I went and saw him. Three days ago, it was fantastic. He showed us things in the shadows of the lightning on the wall. Prophecies. He touched our minds. There was lightning. It danced above our heads, and it took away my fear. The nightmares have left me, and I sleep soundly. You must go and see him. Where can we find him? His servants walk through the streets. I met them in the market after sunset. When the sun is gone, the moon comes out. They took us to his temple. There, he showed us the impossible. He had caged the elements. They danced to his whim. He looks upon sights that others cannot see, and he relates those to us. I only spoke to his messenger, the high priest, not to be described, but he said the other one waits, and that the most faithful will be taken to him, to, to. He leans in, conspiratorially close. Narlathotep. For an odd moment, and Wolf, you don't turn in time enough to see it, you feel like five or six people on the street stopped and turned towards the three of you speaking before continuing to walk past. Well, um... Thank you. I I suppose we'll go to the market after dark. Yes, that was very um, helpful. We too look for a 
enlightenment. More like darkenment. It is the opposite of enlightenment. A delightenment. <laughs> it is delightenment. No. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> uh, Abyss just nods and she'll grab Valmir's arm and kind of pull like can can we get away from the very creepy man he please he follows you looking <laughs> back over his shoulder there's a moment where you look back and the man is like placed both hands on the front of his stall and is leaning all the way out of his stall to watch you walk down the street before <laughs> sliding back inside well we're on the right track we knew this was going to be dangerous but also necessary <sighs> Okay, well, we have an idea of maybe what we're expecting. We just need to figure out what market we need to go to. And then join a cult? <laughs> the one where they join a cult. <laughs> <laughs> Returning back to the uh, the camel's feedback, as I imagine you all do. Uh, Sagira, you're probably the you're probably the last to actually return. Oh, because I watched Playing. that guy for so long? <laughs> yeah. You also probably would have stopped someplace to get like a shank of meat or something, because I don't think Isra has a uh, ring of she does sustenance. Not. She does not. So. You walk in finding Planchette, Valmir, and Abyss sitting around a table in the darkest corner of the room hmm. with the lamp turned low. I walk over there and flop down into a chair. Israel walks over there and flops down on top of like two of your feet. Hmm. <laughs> so I got myself invited to a cult. Hmm. Better than I did. At least you got the invitation. We got directions to how to join the cult. Yep. Uh... I uh, met a creepy prophet, talks to himself, stares at the sky, uh, talks about the dark man and, and whatnot. Seemed right. Did he mention the high priest? Of, that's undescribable. Mm, I didn't really ask. He talked about, you know, the chosen get to go into space. Everyone else also into is space, going. space, you say? I don't know. He said, like, some mumbo jumbo. That does not sound pleasant. And uh, said that if I wanted to be uh, enlightened or whatever, I would go meet him at the marketplace so they seem to have some sort of magic show like a magic show <laughs> like pulling a jackal out of a pot what kind of magic are we talking about here <laughs> well apparently when they showed up about a month ago they bought some strange instruments of glass and metal and turned them into some other strange instruments and i guess they have these weird little spectacles that you know, for the common person, are probably really impressed. Okay. Well, he did say he was going to open my mind or whatever, which sounded vaguely like a threat. I'm not really sure if it's uh, actually magical or if it's just a giant scam. Well, I can tell you that the guy looked like a person that's like seen some stuff. You know, they have that look, like oh, that yes, vacant look. The, the, the merchant had that look, and it was very strange. Like, they're looking at you, but they're not there. Yeah, everyone I talked to seemed to shudder any time they brought up this dark brotherhood. I don't remember this guy shuddering, but he did talk to himself a lot. Well, when the merchant said the, uh, the Black Pharaoh's name, about four or five people in the street stopped and stared at us for a good five seconds before moving on. I wonder how many people have been um, shown this magic show and how prolific that influence mm. might be already. The merchant said something about lightning dancing above their heads. And taking like away hypnotism. their nightmares. Mm. Maybe. Oh, well, that'd be something. Be interesting. Can you hypnotize people? I didn't think that was one of your things. 
No, I could just sick ghosts on them. Well, bring you your biggest ghost. <laughs> you know, the big scary ghosts. Bring that one to the, the party tonight. I assume we're going. If everyone's being hypnotized or mind controlled somehow, there's not necessarily anything that'll say it won't take us over too, and then we'll be servants of the dark man. I'd like to think we're a little bit hardier than the average commoner. Well, we could hope that someone else is taking the invitation and show up and follow them, but I don't know uh, who all's been invited tonight, as it were. Yeah, but again, shadows are where I'm most comfortable. Mm. He says with his, wait for it, yeah, 17 stealth. 20. Because <laughs> I have a ghosty that helps me. <laughs> but if they try to confuse me, I'll definitely be confused and I'll definitely try to murder all of you. <laughs> Says Jessica, the player. <laughs> I mean, the cultists back at the Fane weren't exactly pushovers. There could be another one of those Lamia here, or who knows what else. Oh, that might make sense if it's mind control. Oh, that is a good point. <sighs> Maybe that's why they can't describe her, because she has, like, a snake body. I mean, that's fairly easily to be described. <laughs> or it's yeah. just Samir messing with their heads. Could be. All of the above? Mm. So... Going, getting led there seems easy. I suppose we could go to the market, and if others show up, we could just trail them. But if nobody else shows up, we're just going to have to go ourselves. I mean, I'm more of a kick the door down and stab a bunch of people as far as methods. She shrugs. I think maybe we hold off on kicking a door in. But if we see, like, a, a door within the place that seems secretive, I say we bust down that door. Okay, well, keep an eye out for kickable doors. We'll probably just be beaded curtains and things. It feels mystical. Probably. Also much harder to get through without making noise. All right. So I guess the plan is to wait till sundown or sunset or whatever, and then head over to the market and see if other people show up to go on this magical tour. And then if they don't, I'll go on the magical tour and you can follow and uh, we'll see what happens. And if they do, then it sucks to be them, suckers. <laughs> oh, yeah. If they do, we'll just follow them. <laughs> Not our problem. They were stupid enough to want to join a cult. So I suppose all of you relax through the day. Yep. It's a long day. Uh, oftentimes with all of you trying your best to like kind of almost stay awake. Again, you slept poorly, but there are time times when you nod off and Sigura jerks awake with a start and half draws her kopesh before realizing where she is and what's going on. Mm. Again, the dreams are almost always, the nightmares are almost always beyond any remembrance there's something to do with the moon but no by the time that you actually come fully awake again from whatever it is it's past hmm. eventually the sun starts to set you can hear the distant chirp chirp of the insects and i suppose you gather yourselves together and set off Mm-hmm. yep yep figure we dawn are all black you know like our little goth party that we are <laughs> so our normal clothes. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Sakura weirdly wears a lot of white, but she does have a cloak that's black, so. You navigate through the city streets, arrive at the market. Imagine find a place where you can kind of watch from some distance off. Mm -hmm. Is there anything particularly you're, uh, like, are you wanting to, like, hide, be out in the open? What are you thinking? I mean, Wolf's going to hide, or sorry, Abyss is going to hide. I'm going to eat an apple. Or dates or whatever and look like I'm just like maybe not part of the crowd waiting over here but like I've got things to do here there's a reason I'm over here and nonchalant like I've got the best stealth so I'm probably like Thane creosing it where I'm just somewhere <laughs> okay 
Uh, so what do all of you get taking 10 on a stealth check? Taking 10? Yeah, because it's going to be over the course of like an hour, so I'm not going to make you roll. Yeah, if I take 10, I get a 30 in my stealth. Abyss gets a 25. I get a 17 if I'm stealthing. You are in a city. Oh, I get a uh, 21. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> uh, what are you doing with Isra? She's just hanging out. Oh, she's stealthy AF, though. She can stealth. She gets a 24. Okay. So you find some place towards the edge of the, the market. It's not long before the first couple of people arrive. Oh, good. You watch the odd figure for a while, still sitting there, staring up occasionally towards the sky, rocking. A quartet of cloaked figures emerges from one of the nearby streets. After a long time, one or two more figures slowly trickle in. Most of these wear black robes, hoods pulled down. Some of them are threadbare. Some of them are more elaborate. You think that they're people of walks of life anywhere from beggars and street workers to merchants. Hmm. Maybe nobility in the case of some of these very nice looking silk cloaks. Hmm. After a long wait, all of them almost in unison turn to the east and begin to walk. We follow. It's go time. Stealthily. Sneaky, sneaky. You follow from a distance as the crowd makes its way meandering. At this point, there are probably seven, eight dozen, maybe well over a hundred people. Jeez. As more cloaked oh, figures just wander their way out of the alleyways and join this procession. From this distance, you can't tell what people are talking about, but you can hear this constant sound brought to you by the wind of whispering. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> they eventually reach the east gate of the city, and probably somewhat to maybe all of your surprise. The guards note their approach, turn, open the gate, and then let the procession simply walk through. If I was a city guard, I wouldn't be messing with the shenanigans either. They want outside, <laughs> you go outside. Wild. <laughs> you follow them for some time, further out into the desert. There gets colder the further you walk. Sagira leading up towards point, even being the least stealthy, at the very least the most martial. The black shadow that is Isra darting between rocks, almost more as if she's playing a game. Although you can tell that as it gets colder, she becomes more agitated. Hmm. All of you can make me a knowledge, nature, or survival check. Okay. No, My nature no, is I better. Can't. I rolled a five <laughs> for a 16. Oh, but this is the desert. It doesn't help. A 16. I roll 11 for a 16 on survival. Very well. You continue to make your way, following along this path. At first, you follow the main road, but eventually you just branch off from that down what you can only really describe as a farmer's road or even a goat trail. At points, the people are forced to congregate into single file, and moving across the, the rocks nearby, circling around them, you can get up alongside the caravan of people, but still remain out of sight as you follow them through the rocky badlands. I imagine mostly following in Segura's footsteps because she's ranger. I do have, this is a favorite terrain. I'm very hard to track in my favorite terrain. Yep. Eventually, Sagira, you crest a rise. You can see this river of dark hooded figures off towards your right-hand side, maybe some hundred yards away in the pale light from the moon. Beyond that, you can see this small 
you don't know if you'd even fully describe it as a creek. I guess creek is accurate. Maybe from one side to the other about 20 feet across, although you doubt it's more than a few feet deep at its deepest point. This tributary making its way down back towards the Sphinx River. Ahead of you, you see a structure built at the edge of the water. A long, low temple. Hmm. You can see the upper portions of a statue from here. Maybe jackal-headed, although it's hard to tell from this range. A line of sphinxes line up leading towards its doors in two separate rows facing off against one another. And you think that there are some small boats moored in the river nearby the structure. Hmm. You would note this, exhale, probably furrow your brow a little bit as you see this puff of white go out. It has gotten cold. Wolf, Planchette, and Valmir step up alongside you as the four of you stand dramatically, not silhouetted against the moon, because that would be terrible for stealth, <laughs> but stand dramatically silhouetted against the night sky, against the, the, the vast sea of stars. So do you think they are squatting in someone else's temple, or they built this temple overnight? Well, they have been here for a month, but that's also some hasty building, if it is that. I don't know if they built it in a month, if they take the time to add some Sphinx statues. Yeah. Probably squatting. I bet they've redecorated. Mm. Let's find out. Well, maybe whatever god it belongs to will be angry enough to, you know, let us ransack the place. Circle round, meet back at the front? Or here? I mean, I'm pretty stealthy. I could go up and scout the building. Is there anything closer that still has cover? Yeah, you can get cover all the way up to the walls of the structure if you want. It seems to be in just kind of this grove of old palms. Perfect. I guess we should stealth up close and then let stealthy people go look around. I'll even make a perception roll as you approach. I'm assuming this is the desert or is this urban? This is the desert. Cool, so that's 10. So 23 perception for me. Uh, Avis rolls a 12, which gets her 24. Uh, Planchette rolls a 19 for a 32. You all make your way forward. You can tell that this structure is large. Not extraordinarily large, but almost, you'd say from one side to the other, it's probably about 100 feet across. And then from the front gates all the way to the back of the structure, you think it's maybe the better part of some 250 feet. Hmm. Although a vast majority of that seems to be a large enclosed courtyard where you can see the pillars and the lintels left over from its original construction. As you approach closer, you can see that there are four obelisks that stand in front of the temple. And you can see that there are what look to be maybe three robed figures. That all of the the other robed figures, these people coming from on, have to pass by. Like guards or watchmen. Hmm. This seems to be almost like a bottleneck as every like slow procession slows down even further to make their way into this, you guess, central courtyard. From here, you can see that there's some light playing out from those from windows into the temple proper. It's the ancient Osiriani style where the windows are set like 10 feet off of the ground mm-hmm. and then look down into whatever the building's inside. There's an odd flashing irregularity to it. Hmm. Lightning. It's what oh, it seems like. Yeah. Paparazzi. Paparazzi, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All the people trying to get pictures of the high priest not to be described. Yes. I'd be curious. <laughs> Anyone that wishes to make a stealth check to circle around the structure, may. I'm going to stay where I am. I think that's going to be me and Valmir. All right. This will be an actual check because you are threatened. 
and that you know you might actually be noticed by these people hoping to kill you. We get noticed. We run away and we come back in the daytime when they're weak. <laughs> when they're gone. <laughs> Planchette rolled a fourteen for a thirty-four. All right, and Valmir rolls a n eighteen for a thirty-five. So sneaky. Yep. Your two companions disappear into the shadows of the trees surrounding the structure. Wolf, Sagira, you sit here behind, probably behind a rock, just glancing over occasionally, watching the slow procession as they make their way forward. Isra, yawning, staring off into space, generally bored, Mm. pouncing on a nearby desert rat. No reason. (laughs) Doesn't even eat it. She just kills for sport. (laughs) Cat. After a short time, your compatriots return. Well, there's only one doorway inside, which is the front one with the three goons. Uh, Our other options would be scale the wall or hop through a window. Well, three goons and a hundred cultists. Well, I'm assuming most of them aren't armed, but I don't know, so. Wall it is. Hmm. The wall will take us over directly into the courtyard, which is where all the other people are, too. Window? Might lead us through to a room that we could hide out in. Or maybe at least follow the sounds of whatever chanting I'm sure they're going to get up to in a little while. Yep. Other than uh, Isra, is anyone else a good climber? I can climb. No. I can climb. No. <laughs> Valmir dicks around his pack, pulls out a length of rope, <laughs> attaches a grappling hook to it. I can climb up, secure this in place, drop it down, then we go in. Sounds like a plan. Uh, I suppose all of you make your approach. Yep. I will need a stealth check. Oh, gosh. From everyone. I rolled okay. So did Valmir. Well, actually, he rolled perfectly average. Oh, Isra's killing it today. Rolled a little below average, but it still got me a 28. Yeah, Sagira gets a 26. Isra gets a 32. She rolled an at 20. <laughs> yeah, uh, Abyss rolls an 18, which gets her a 33. Very well. The four of you slink your way forward into the darkness. Five of you, counting the cat. So many people. Mm-hmm. Make your way up towards the edge of the structure. You think you're good. At the very least, you don't hear shouts of alarm or anything go up. Looking back at the direction, you can tell the lines kind of, you know, stutter stepped to a, a halt at this bottleneck. Mm. It's like it's Six Flags. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like trying to get into the Ren Fair. Valmir has a plus 15 climb. I don't know oh, if anyone else that's way better is... than mine. Mine's only an 8. Yeah. Okay. Mine with my strength is a 0. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Abyss has a 9, but it's not a 15. <laughs> Gets up to the window. Again, the window's about two and a half feet wide, about two feet high. What class is he? Oh, he's just straight up rogue. Oh. Knife master rogue, to be precise. Oh, jeez. Nice. Stabby death. Stabby stab. <laughs> he hooks the grappling hook in place, drops the rope back down towards all of you, and then slides inside. Let's pl- let Planchette go first so we can catch her if she falls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Planchette, I suppose you climb up. Yeah. Wolf behind you. Sagira bringing up the rear. Ezra kind of takes a few steps back before just leaping high into the air, digging her claws into the edge of the uh, the ten foot high sill and just scrambling over. Butt wiggle calibration. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Whole thing. Okay, so she will actually need to roll. She rolls a 16, which gets her a 24. Yeah. Okay, so everything I just said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You drop inside into a large 
chamber from one side to the other, maybe about 90 feet across. It's almost more of a hall. Off towards your left-hand side, you can see a door that you think leads back out to the courtyard. Ahead of you, you can tell that the passage continues before maybe turning again. It's hard to tell from here. And there's a couple of steps. Three steps lead down off towards your left, towards that door that leads out to the courtyard. And in the center between this passage and the next passage, three steps ascend up into another room. It's from there that you see these crackling flashes of light. And a steady light might be inside that room. Although as you drop down, all of you drop down into darkness. That isn't much of an issue for, I think, two of you. Nope. I have dark vision. Actually, actually, I have seen darkness, which is better than dark vision. I cannot see. <laughs> yeah, I have low light. But if, it, if there's light somewhere, then maybe it's enough to... We should probably peek in that door. That seems to be the only source of light here. Mm-hmm. I'll let everyone else go first. I can't see my hands. Oh. You can every once in a while. It's like, it's almost waiting for that flash to happen. And then you're like, okay, I can reorient myself. It's a horror movie waiting to happen is what yeah, it is. I was going to say, what was that horror movie where the, the person's wandering around and using the flash from saw. their camera? Is that Saw? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yes. The first Saw. So you're doing that, basically. But <laughs> Abyss will creep up to the edge of the doorway. Okay. Yep, we're creeping. As you all slip forward. This is a cool map, Rick. Where did you find it? Uh, I actually meant to give a shout out. There's a guy that makes a whole bunch of uh, desert Egyptian themed maps um, and then he publishes them on uh, the battle map subreddit that I follow oh, which has cool. some really nice maps on it. This is really cool. I don't think he's the one that's doing uh, there's a guy that's doing the all the maps of Bloodborne oh, but as yeah. battle maps. I'm like oh man these are great. There's also a guy doing that with the Witcher. Yeah. Oh, awesome. You, you told me about the Witcher one. I don't know why you're acting surprised. I remember telling you. Actually, yeah, I told you about the Witcher one. I didn't tell you about the Bloodborne one. No, you told me about both. Okay, there we go. <laughs> you slip your way forward. As you begin to approach closer, there's this constant sizzling sound that comes from the open archway ahead of you. This is accompanied by that constant flashing and this odd popping noise, like static electricity sparking off against something. As you approach even closer, you can hear this bubbling sound and this occasional pressure noise, like like steam escaping a kettle. Hmm. Reaching the edge of the door, looking in, the room beyond was once a crypt. Three sarcophagi look to occupy the room, and numerous jars are scattered about the entirety of the chamber, linked together by complex combinations of tubes and metal filters. Some sort of extraordinarily complicated looking device of rods and screws and metal protrusions sits on top of the central sarcophagus, whirling and spitting sparks into the air. Electricity plays about the roof of this room, just maybe a foot or so over head level, and paints the chamber in odd colorations and seems to cause the shadows to jump in bizarre ways. Is there a giving brain them in a almost jar? this. Hmm? Is there a brain in a jar? <laughs> yeah, off to one side. Uh, giving it almost. This. <laughs> I was about to say it's giving me those vibes. Odd appearance. Is there anybody in there that I can see? There's a single figure in the room. The man, woman, wears thick robes that covers his or her body. They lean over the machine, which plays around them. Sometimes literally just you can see this line of 
static electricity roll down the length of their sleeves as they touch or adjust something. It's odd, but the light seems to strangely bend or distort around this room. Um, can I make a knowledge engineering to make any sense of this machine? Uh, sure, go ahead. Wolf rolls a 13, which gets her a 26. All you can tell is that this is technology beyond anything in Osirian. You know that further to the south, they have more complicated technology in the lands where magic doesn't function properly and they need something to make up for it. And much further to the north, they have technology beyond possibly even this. But this is odd. Wolf would turn back to the others and whisper, "It's It's not magic. It's some sort of technology, something far more advanced than anything I've ever seen here in Osirian. It would seem I have guests. Ah, crap. Oh, you whispered. <laughs> there is no need to hide. We might as well go forward. Uh, Wolf does have Trap Spotter just as we move forward okay. into the room of danger. Um, <laughs> yeah, Sagira kind of shrugs. You wish to step into the archway? Yes. Entering into the room, the figure turns back towards all of you. You can only see the lower portion of their face, which is just a thin, jawed individual. Whomever they are, they're extraordinarily pallid. The figure cocks their head at an uncomfortable-looking angle. I figure Planchette kind of mimics it. <laughs> kind of like, hmm. This is not what I had expected. What were you expecting? The stars are not yet right. This world. The creature cocks its head again. There's something in the way they move that does not seem natural. You should not be here. I, I take it you're the high priest that can't be described. I mean, I could describe you. Long robes, pale skin, creepy maneuvering. <laughs> Describable. <laughs> And creepy voice, too. We could just add that to the list. As you approach closer, the voice just seems almost mechanical in its drone. It's like there isn't the proper intonation. The figure shakes out the edges of its yellow robes, watching all of you curiously. Oh, yellow. Ugh. No, we will have to adjust for this. You should not be here. You said that already. And yet... Here we are. Where is the prophetess? The what? Where is the prophetess? Prophetess? Going to have to be more specific. There should be. The prophetess. We we'll look at she each other. She who sees beyond time. The stone was to go to her. Stone was... You've brought it, haven't you? You are in possession of the starry wisdom. Prophetess. Still trying to figure out the prophetess. We're all just staring. Uh, we're, I will, we're all uh, trying not to give away anything either. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll allow anyone to make an intelligence roll. I will give Sigura plus five. I'm pretty sure that she's talking about me it, he's or probably, my mom in the yeah, rock. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously talking about the stone. But I'm not going to give yeah. him the stone. And it's probably, I'm thinking it's also <laughs> Sigura's mom. I rolled that, in that yeah, one. That's since she was the one who had the stone. I rolled an 11 for a 12. <laughs> uh, you said it was intelligence? Intelligence. Uh, Wolf gets a 13. I mean, it might be the direction that you're going. You don't know. Well, if we have the stone, we're not giving it to you, and none of us are prophets, so... I mean, I talk to ghosts, but it's not the same thing. Does prophecy even work anymore? I thought it was broken. 
There are challenges in this world that do not exist in worlds beyond. Your reality is not the only one. Multiverse. Well, how about we, uh, we cut to the chase and you just tell us where the Dark Man is and we'll be on our way and then you don't have to worry about us not supposed to be here. True. You are halfway there. Oh, good. So he's here somewhere. You've crossed the threshold. I don't love that. <laughs> and now that you are here, you may never return. Uh-oh, time to fight. Do That's you know fun. what a conjunction is? Do we know yes. what a conjunction is? <laughs> Besides when the literary term. <laughs> I mean, conjunction, junction. By definition, yes. When two words love each other very, very much. <laughs> What, like things being brought together? You may make an all to the points if you so wish. Not bad. I rolled a seven, so I got a, a terrible number, which equals 13. As Valamir just kind of stands there like, I have no knowledges. Uh, <laughs> rolled a 14 what did you put a skills in? For a he has no knowledges. He has local. Okay, okay I was about to say. So a 27? Nope. It's much better it's than mine. 13. Conjunction as far as magical terminology is usually in reference to a planar conjunction when two planes overlap or touch one another. It doesn't happen often, but there are places where the veil between planes is thin. So, yes, know what it means. I'm assuming wherever you're from is nearby, so to speak. Nearby? <laughs> yes. You are already there. You have crossed the threshold, slipping your mortal coil. You have come to the plane of nightmare. I figure Planchette kind of like looks at her hands to like make sure she's still solid. You're bringing it here to on, which is why everybody's having nightmares. Nightmares are not a goal. They're a side effect. I wouldn't even necessarily consider them to be even part of the calculation. I do not understand what my master, Narlathotep, Intends. The air grows notably colder. Ugh. And for a moment, the lightning crackles red instead of white. So I'm assuming your contraption there is meant to facilitate this conjunction? No. Or is that just to have pretty lights for the gullible outside? There'd be much simpler ways than technology this advanced to make a light show. We do not need this for lights. Again, what did you say? Yes, a side effect. We require the lights from within. Oh, what happens if we, like, break one of these jars? <laughs> Horrible beyond imagining. For you or for us? Yes. Both. All right. But it may be a necessity. It would seem that you have come too early. I would ask you to give me the stone, but you would refuse. Correct. It cocks its head. The others are here. A different form of conjunction. This world, so wonderfully chaotic. I suppose, then, we will have to do this the barbaric way. The figure turns towards all of you. As they step forward, the machinery towards your right and left furls and unfolds. After a moment, these strange jars containing what look to be human brains yep. slosh. Don't love it. As they rise up atop these vaguely 
anthropomorphic shapes of pistons and tubes and wire crackling with electricity. One of them, as it steps forward, kicks over one of these various jars, which explodes with the sound of a bomb detonating as the electricity pulses through the room and crackles, momentarily blinding all of you. And I'll need initiative from the party. Next time. (laughs) Yeah, I'll give you a preview. I've got a picture. There you go. I just really love their big old like eyeballs. Like ah. (laughs) Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Paths are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.